you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. All right, pencils down, heads up, Steve. It's time for the NFL Report. Steve White, James Palmer with you. And we have the man, Steve, who is spending every waking hour with the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. That's Panthers offensive coordinator Thomas Brown going to join the show for an exclusive interview. I, just wait till you hear what he has to say about, about the number one pick. Just wait, I get, just I, wait till you have I, to hear. I, I can't wait for it because you know, I used to cover Thomas in college when he was a running back at Georgia, so I'm really excited about oh. this. But, JP, I'm a little down in the dumps. You know, two days ago, yeah. a water oh. main breaks A water main breaks in the house. So I got a whole room flooded. My wife's got her family up. My wife D's got her family up from Jamaica. So we got this whole room now that's flooded. Water's everywhere. But that's not why I'm really down in the dumps, JP. It was the plumbing bill. Yeah? Yeah, you know, they're like, it's going to cost oh, you yeah. this much. I felt like Vontez Perfect. When I got fined by the NFL for my 15th <laughs> hit for unnecessary roughness. And you know how big that fine, those, those fines are. Yeah. Yeah, That's you better start am. mowing lawns around the neighborhood. That's where I am right now. But look, we're also going to have Brian Baldinger. And we are going to have all kinds of different angles on this Aaron Rodgers subject from how, you know, Aaron Rodgers' history to how it affects not only the Jets moving forward, but at least one of their opponents. You're not going to want to miss that. We've got Stacey Dales, Brian Baldinger, Mike Garofolo, Judy Batista joining us, JP. And first up, this is a game I don't think either one of us can wait to see. Coming up, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs coming off the L to the Detroit Lions, playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who win the opener. And James, this doesn't say anything about the Chiefs, but the fact that we're talking about how they could open the season with back-to-back losses against the Lions and Jags tells you the state of those teams right now. Yeah. Steve, you've been down in the dumps too much, so I'm not going to go negativity. I'm going <laughs> to swing it over to Jacksonville and go positive for us here. Imagine what this benchmark game could be for the Jacksonville Jaguars organization if they take down the defending Super Bowl champs in Week 2. And this might happen, I think, Steve, because of when this game is happening. It's early in the season. We know Chris Jones is back. We know he's been doing two-a-days down in Miami, but he's not Nick Bosa. I'm curious how many snaps he can go and how that affects them getting after Trevor Lawrence because there's some issues injuries-wise up front on that offensive line. Can they still be explosive? And they can put some points on the board. And then on the other side, we know Travis Kelsey probably coming back for this game. I was told when the injury happened, a one- to two-week injury, is he 100%? This could be shaking up for a, a really good spot in the season for Jacksonville to come away with a win. The closing part of this, Steve, is closing out games. That's something that the Jaguars know that the Chiefs are very good at. We know that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are great in the fourth quarter. They get better as the game goes on. But talking to people in Jacksonville, they believe that's a trait that they're developing as well. And if they're able to compete in the fourth quarter and win a tight game over the defending Super Bowl champs, a game that they believe they should have won in the postseason. Right. Talk to Doug Peterson this offseason. He truly believes they should have won that game in Arrowhead. This could be a massive game for the organization 
for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're treating it as such. It's a playoff yeah. atmosphere, I'm told, down there in Jacksonville. Well, as it should be. Look, having Calvin Ridley and the way he performed in his debut last week is, is great reason for that optimism. And the fact that you talked about that the Jags actually had the Chiefs on the ropes to some degree in that playoff game last season, I mean, that says a lot about where they are. Now, remember, this was the game when Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. first had that, got that high ankle sprain that, you know, lingered all the way through the Super Bowl. So that was part of it. But you brought up Travis Kelsey. He had 14 catches and, for, and two touchdowns in yep. that game. He is that much of a difference maker. But will it make a difference with this receiving core that did not play well without him in week one? Or will the rest of the guys step up to help buoy Travis Kelsey? Because all of a sudden, if Kelsey's not 100% and those guys aren't showing up, that's when we have to start to wonder if the Kansas City Chiefs might have some greater underlying issues. All right, yeah, I'm really you're... curious where Juwan Taylor's going to line up, Steve. I'm really, I'm really curious how, how far back he's going to he's gonna, he's gonna <laughs> You weren't saying, you weren't saying going to left game. tackle. You were talking about depth from the line of scrimmage. Right 100%, there. and guess what? I think Doug Peterson knows a thing or two about, about his former tackle. Let's move to the game that I'm going to be Yeah. At. And I think this is a great game. This is Ravens at Bengals, and I had a chance to talk to a couple of players on the phone this week. had a chance to talk to Tyler Boyd, who told me that, yes, that is the worst he has ever seen Joe Burrow play. But the interesting part, Steve, in our conversation is he said, you know why he's so even keel all the time? Because he said this week nothing has faced him. He's been the same guy each and every day. It hasn't bothered him that he went out and threw for 82 yards. Yes, he did get a haircut. He said that was partially because of the way he played, not entirely. (laughs) But he said this is why he's wired this way. He goes to Ohio State. My university makes a terrible decision and, and moves on from him. He transfers to LSU. And his point with this is he has had to grind each and every spot he's been. Nothing's been handed to him in any of the spots he's been, which is an interesting thing to say for a former number one overall pick. But he said that's why he has this mentality that he can go out and bounce back from things because of what's happened to him in his path getting to the NFL and being the highest paid player in the history of the league right now. JP, if if we think he is not going to bounce back, then we need to go get drug tested or something. You know, I I need to go have more pipes in my house burst or something because he's going to bounce back. He's going to bounce back. The mm-hmm. issue of this game is not going to be Joe Burrow against this Ravens defense. It's down some DBs, right? They've already had some injuries on their defense. The issue is going to be Cincinnati's defense because no matter what we want to say about this expanded Ravens offense, they're still going to try to run the ball. And Baltimore's offense was not great in their opener against Houston. They barely surpassed 100 yards on the ground. Lamar Jackson was a little bit here and there when it came to the pass game. They've got some things to work out. But after seeing the Bengals surrender more than 200 rushing yards against the Browns, and they really didn't adjust to fix it, now the Ravens, they don't have J.K. Dobbins, you know, they don't have Nick Chubb that Cleveland did, but that defense has got to button it up or else John Harbaugh, Todd Monken, and that run, de- and that run offense is going to continue to try and pound the rock. Steve, I look at one word that sums up, I think, this entire game, and that is communication, and that involves the Ravens. What are the two position groups that need the really the best amount of continuity and communication within a game. It's the offensive line and it's the secondary. Secondary, right? Yep. Those are the two spots that need to continue to talk to each other throughout a game. You mentioned it. Marcus Williams, the leader of that secondary, most likely not playing in this game, hasn't practiced all week with the pec injury. Marlon Humphrey not back yet from the foot injury. Down both those guys. Kyle Hamilton talked about it at length this week about how communication is an issue back there. Yes, they all play Call of Duty with one another. That does happen in the secondary <laughs> when they're, they're having their downtime. But on the field, having the proper amount of communication against these three dynamic wide receivers is important. And then Ronnie Staley and Tyler Linderbaum, their center and their left tackle, have not practiced all week. Both didn't finish the game on Sunday. That's difficult up front when you're working in a new system in just your second game with it. You want to run the football. And we know DJ Reader and company up front with Luana Rumo can make some damage. Those are the two spots I'm really keeping an eye on in this game when I'm going to be there on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, talking about interesting defenses, we saw the Dallas Cowboys put a 40-low dunk on the Giants in the opener. Micah Parsons, at every level, they dominated. Well, guess what? They've got Zach Wilson and the 1-0 Jets this week. But on paper, it looks like an absolute domination for this Cowboys going up against a quarterback who has still not found himself. He was Aaron Rodgers' backup. But this is what we're going to do, because we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers exclusively. But... I'm going to tell you how Aaron Rodgers' injury affects more than just the Jets. Within minutes 
of him going down Monday night, you better believe all the Cowboys coaches, analytics people, scouts, everybody had to scrap their game plan for their defensive install against Aaron Rodgers. And remember, there are coaches on the Cowboys mm. staff who are with Mike McCarthy and the Packers. They know how Aaron Rodgers operates. Scrap that and get ready for Zach Wilson. So what do they have with Zach Wilson? Preseason tape with him and Nathaniel Hackett system. So they had to go scour that. And we know in the preseason, they don't do too much. They had to watch this game again to see what worked for the Jets. And then they had to also go back and maybe look at some of Zach Wilson's stuff that he did last the last couple seasons when he didn't play well. You have your scouts going back, look at their, their reviews out of him when he was coming out of BYU. So there's a lot of detail for the opponent this week, the Dallas Cowboys, that they had to go to that they were not expecting to go to. That's just another trickle-down aspect of Aaron Rodgers' injury, JP. And you have to think it's, it's week two, right? So some of this work is done by some people in that building during the end of preseason. I mean, yeah. they were probably a ways down in terms of their preparation about where they were with this and because of their understanding of Nathaniel Hackett and the understanding of specifically of Aaron Rodgers. And I'd like to talk about Rodgers moving forward, and, and, and we're going to talk backup quarterbacks and their importance with yeah. Thomas Brown coming up yep. in his interview because I think they have an experience, very good one there in Carolina. And so there were questions, Steve, going, all right, where do the Jets go? Who should they bring in? The best quarterback, if you ask around the league for the Jets right now, is Zach Wilson. Because oh, yeah. he has an understanding of the system, and anybody you bring in that has to learn that system and play exponentially better than him probably doesn't really exist for your liking or your ability to go and get that quarterback. What I'm curious about is because these two have sparked up a very good friendship throughout this training camp, and that's Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. Is Rodgers going to stick around and work in the room with Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett and company and making sure this young quarterback is set up to succeed the best he can? Now, again, I should put this clearly. That is not Aaron Rodgers' job right now. His job is to get healthy and his job is to rehab and go through all this. But he has talked about how rejuvenated he has been, Steve, coming and winning with these guys, throwing with everybody in the offseason and being around this young group. He could do wonders for helping out Zach Wilson because he knows this better than anybody else. I'm curious to see what role he plays moving forward. James, and this is why I'm so glad we have Stacey Dales on, right? Stacey, a world-class athlete, an Olympic mm -hmm. basketball player. It seems like it's a fairly simple ask of Aaron Rodgers. Hey, once you've had your surgery, come back and help. But we don't know what Aaron exactly. Rodgers is going to be going through. We don't know what he could be dealing with. We've heard so many athletes talk about maybe going into dark pockets during rehab and things like that. So – to say, Aaron, you need to be there for him, that's not necessarily as simplistic of an ask as it could be. But I think your point of the fact that just a few months that he's had together with Zach Wilson, the relationship that they've had, he might be able to have sprinkled some of that magic fairy dust on him that it looks like he sprinkled for three seasons on Jordan Love based on how Jordan Love came out of the gate last week. Man, I was talking to Tracy Wolfson in Foxborough last Sunday. She goes, we have the Jets-Cowboys. Can you believe it? I can't remember the last time we did a Jets game for our big broadcast on CBS. Well, we got Zach Wilson against the Cowboys. Well, coming up, we have the number one overall pick, Bryce Young's mentor, sidekick, the guy who was molding him, Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. This is going to be ridiculous. Stick with us on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, now we have a very, very special guest. And JP, this is what we love, right? We're, we're bringing people mm -hmm. insiders and information that they're not going to get anywhere else. And we got Panthers offensive coordinator Thomas Brown joining us here on the Let's NFL go. Report. TB. Let's go. Let's go. Excited to be here. That's what I'm talking about, man. You're looking good. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, Appreciate for, it. You know, for the folks who are listening on the podcast, they won't see, but Thomas has got off the shrugs machine. He's kind of jacked and swole right now in our shot. Yeah, right. you only get one body of life. So I got <laughs> to maximize it, take care of it, work out every day. Yeah, 
They had to widen his shot to fit him in there. We're scrunched on the sides, <laughs> make sure he looks good in the middle. Hey, hey, hey Thomas, just, just for timeliness uh, of this, uh, before we, we get on to things, a couple years ago, you blew out your Achilles tendon. Uh, you know, when you were with the Rams, you're rolling around on the scooter and everything. What did, you know, look, you're, you're a former world-class athlete, NFL running back, college running back, but what is that experience like? And just kind of walk us quickly through your rehab. Yeah, so it was rough. So I would say I was going through a normal routine on the field, doing an individual drill. So every day we have, I would say, 20 minutes of individuals. So I have the running backs and quarterbacks going through ball handle. And so I'm just kind of making those guys react off of me. And I make one step, and I feel like somebody just threw a football at the back of my ankle. So I turn around, look behind me, on, to try to see if a ball was on the ground. And I realized there was no ball there. So I try to go take a step, and I just felt my whole kind of ankle and foot drop. So I turned to Reggie Scott and, and Sean McVay, who were kind of standing by each other, and said, I think I just tore my Achilles. And so they thought I was joking, but I was obviously very serious about tearing the Achilles. And so uh, Reggie asked me, uh, are you sure? And I said, Reggie, I'm not a doctor, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what happens, what goes in between the same little spot, and it, it is missing right now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my first thought was, you know, um, can I get off the field? Can I walk off the field? So I tried to – I did walk myself to the training room, and so a number of emotions are going through my brain. Uh, you know, luckily for me in that position, I'm no longer playing. So it won't affect uh, that aspect yeah. of it. But I can imagine from a player standpoint, right, how devastating it's going to be when it comes to the initial injury, being out for the entire year, but thinking about just the rehab process going back uh, and, and kind of recovering from the injury. And for myself, I mean, uh, I'm a fairly older dude. Now I try to still be somewhat relatively young. But it, Come on it took me a good, you know, eight to nine months to, to get back to – Doing everything like I want. You were like 35. You were like 35. You're younger older. than Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I think being able to to try to build back and get back into 100% shape was uh, was a tough challenge for me in my life. Uh, but it's different when it comes to being a uh, a washed up coach versus being a player <laughs> in your prime. Come on now. <laughs> but 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 Tommy, I'm kind of curious in this. So when this happens, and not just what we saw Monday night with, with Aaron Rodgers, but in in any instance where you know your starter goes down. What's the first conversation on the sideline that you have as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, as a part of the offensive staff with that backup quarterback that's going in? What initially happens on the sideline right away? Well, the first thing for me is just trying to make sure you ease his mind when it comes to the moment of having a, to come in that type of opportunity. I think every time you have a, a major injury on the field, I think every player kind of has that, that thought in the back of their mind about uh, some significant injury happening. So, uh, my role is going to be mm -hmm. to try to go calm those guys down as much as possible, all those guys to play with a quiet in mind and kind of get those guys rolling uh, once the play starts. So, so Thomas, with that situation, you know, so, so we know the big deal with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, the quarterback. You guys have a very capable backup in Andy Dalton. I mean, what, right. as we're looking around the NFL, not every team is as fortunate as you to have yeah. somebody like that. What about you guys in Carolina having someone like Andy Dalton who's there just in case of a worst-case scenario? I mean, I think just from the standpoint of what you mentioned, Steve, about being worst-case scenario, but I think more importantly, the everyday process of him being a pour into Bryce from his experience, right, his exposure from being in this league for a very long time, how open Andy is, how he communicates in the media room, but also giving, giving Bryce kind of just subtle tips and tales on the football field to help us with his overall development is awesome for us. So he, he's been through a lot of games, Andy Dalton, and he's watched the film the next day with coaching staffs a lot. Bryce did that for the very first time after your game on Sunday. If you could take us, Thomas, into that room and kind of what that first film session was like after Bryce's first game, what went down in there? Well, first off, we're all very disappointed about uh, the outcome of the game. I think anytime we lose a football game yeah. – I've always been a, a very sore loser. My mom reminds me from time to time, from the age I was eight years old up until now. But I think being able to build upon some of the positive things we did offensively, but more particularly when it comes to Bryce and his overall growth and development, when you look at the tape and talk about the positive takeaways, you look at how you operate the system from, from, a, from a huddle standpoint, but also the sideline communication I thought was really good, especially for his first opportunity time being out. Mm -hmm. uh, but what an opportunity to learn, like first week one, have adversity, and what I love about adversity is the opportunity to be able to take on the challenge to learn and grow from it. And Bryce is as good as, as, as I've been around when it comes to 
uh, taking on those, on those challenges. So when, you, when, you're, when you're game planning, now, mm-hmm. now that you've got a baseline, right, from the, the, the game against Atlanta, now you go to the Saints on Monday night. I mean, what is Bryce's approach? Because everything we saw in college was, okay, let's go get it. We know we did wrong. Let's go get it. Kind of tell us what it's been like working with him going into week two. I'm in the exact same way. I think one of the things I love about Bryce is his overall approach. Remember back when we were kind of going through the process of evaluating quarterbacks. So we're on you know, a couple of planes flying around the country uh, to interview quarterbacks, but also watch those guys throw in person. And so I meet with all the quarterbacks and I'm asking those guys some similar questions. And one of the questions I asked all the quarterbacks was, just take me through, okay, the game is done. It's Saturday night. What's your weekly process from the time the game ends to the next mm-hmm. game? And so most quarterbacks had probably, a, I would say, 10 to 15-minute uh, response, right? So we're 17 minutes into the into Bryce answering the question, and we're still on Tuesday morning. Uh, so I think Bennett, when it, when it comes to his overall development, like he has a great approach, a great process towards understanding how to move on past the game, learn, past, learn from those mistakes, but also build upon what he did well as well also. Well, well, Thomas, it was all of you guys on that plane, uh, on this offensive staff, going around. I, I saw a bunch of you guys at Ohio State at C.J. Stroud's uh, uh, pro day, and you guys were making the rounds. With that said, all of these offensive minds you guys have uh, on this staff, how do you, I guess, in this process with a young quarterback, a number one overall pick as talented as Bryce is, kind of divvy up who does what, how does it get split, Wait, is there a meeting before? Like, do you guys devise who handles what? How does it operate within a staff when you're trying to mold him early on? Yeah, I think the great thing about our, our setup is that we have a great operation when it comes to delegating roles and responsibilities. I think sometimes when it comes to uh, having so much, you know, whether it be mental capacity or experience in one room, uh, depending on who you have, it can become an issue. But we do a great job when it comes to always checking your ego at the door. And we're all about trying to find ways to figure out what is right versus who is right. So I think the collaboration process we have has been amazing. It's been awesome. I look forward to kind of building that every day. And, and Thomas, you talk about, you know, the collaboration, forging an identity, right? You're a former running back. You, you've, yep. you've coached running backs. What about the run game and how important that is to not only helping Bryce develop, but you guys establishing what type of character you're going to be offensively? Yeah, so, I mean, we break down our offensive identity. So we talked about this from day one. We got back here in, in, in April when our players came in. We broke it down to kind of three different categories. All right, number one was being physical at every position. And so you mentioned the run game. Everything starts with that uh, approach up front. That's one of the, the biggest positive takeaways from our game is that we did a really good job of being aggressive, attacking, uh, running back to a really good job when it comes to running after, uh, running, making, uh, making contact after the, the ball kind of from a contact standpoint, fighting for extra yards. When it comes to the overall development of a young quarterback, but also offensively in general, everything builds off of that. When you talk about your play pass, your keepers, your nakeds, and obviously drive back offense as well. Thomas, does that play off of what you – I mean, obviously you look at what everybody else is doing, right, and everybody kind of sees and, and steals from one another. Is it looking at what is a trend in – Defensive football in the NFL alters what you want to do offensively, or do you look more at, at offensive football around the NFL and then kind of build it off that? Obviously, it's off of your personnel, but still, which oh, yeah. side of the ball do you look at more to kind of build that identity? What you said last part, the most important thing is you kind of already mentioned when it comes to understanding your personnel and what you guys do well offensively, up front, quarterback-wise, your skilled players. But, I mean, to me, it's kind of a combination of both. When you look at uh, trends around the league from an offensive standpoint, defensively, you can get certain ideas from there from an the offensive perspective, but uh, we kind of hold true to our identity, our philosophy, and trying to build upon it every single week, but also doing a great job of self-scout. So once we have a game, obviously mm-hmm. kind of making those corrections, but what do we put on tape? What can we build off of that and kind of our opponents is watching to kind of you know, make it more difficult for those guys to defend us moving forward? And, Thomas, we saw in preseason, second half of games, you were calling the plays. Frank Reich has said at some point you guys are going to make the transition whenever that is this season, next season, whatever. You're going to be the play caller. How do you guys work with that? How does Frank work with you? I mean, you coach under Sean McVay and maybe teaching you some of the things and taking your input on some things so you guys can forge when that transition takes place. Well, one, I've always been a sponge. So having an opportunity to, like you mentioned before, be in an environment with so many great minds around us, but the kind of one-on-one time with Frank every single day, we kind of put together our game plan to talk about certain ideas. Obviously, leaning on guys like Coach Caldwell as well, who can kind of add, obviously add advice from uh, his vast experience. 
uh, from a behind the scenes standpoint. But I think it's about the, the daily collaboration and me understanding more about him and kind of vice versa in combination with putting our players in, our players in the best spot to have success all right, week in and week out. Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by play callers. I love when guys say they're, they're so much in the zone, they're not even looking at the sheet, right? They're just, they're just calling it. But everybody kind of has a different description of it, right? Some guys say it's a science. Some guys say right. it's an art. Some guys say it's a feel. H- how would you describe play calling? I think the biggest part of it is about preparation. You know, so obviously being able to have a feel on game is important. Being able to adapt and adjust depending on what the opponent is giving you is going to be a big part of you having success on game day. But it's about what are you doing uh, throughout the week? Right, putting the game to play, putting the game uh, on the, from a game plan standpoint, how you bring it to life, but more importantly, how you explain those details to your players. Because ultimately, it all all boils down to not how smart you claim to be or want to be as a play caller, but how smart are your players? What those guys can act- activate on game day. All right, Thomas, let's take it back. We got that number twenty on at UGA. Okay, we're going back to running backs. All the conversation this offseason is our running backs are devalued. Every week, all I hear is how valuable the running game is. Right. What is the difference between the value of running backs and the value of the running game? Well, Steve, I'll say this. I understand the frustration around the league when it comes to some of these elite players who have continued to produce on a consistent basis and want to be rewarded for it. But all I can do is speak for us from an organization standpoint and our value. And I went off a guy like Miles Sanders, for example, who had great value for us. And uh, people may say from a market value standpoint, it was a little bit higher. But for just as far as how we want to be built identity-wise, it was a perfect fit for us when it comes to how we're building this system, but also a great uh, for a rookie quarterback as well. Hey, Miles can do it all. I, we all know that he can do a lot of different things as, as a running back, Thomas. And, and so last one for me is you're going into your second game with, with your quarterback. Uh, everybody talks about adversity when things don't go right for young quarterbacks. How do they bounce back? How do they respond? What was your take on this week? What maybe instances, if there is one, that sticks out to you most about Bryce where you said, oh, okay, this is, this is kind of different than this guy? Well, I think to me is what I've seen every single day since he stepped foot on in his organization from a practice standpoint, preparation-wise, but also in the meeting room. I mean, he is calm, cool, collective. But one thing I did see that I love is obviously from a game play standpoint, just to fire the emotion uh, the demeanor on the sideline when it comes to making plays, getting guys going, but obviously wanting to have the ball in his hands when it, when it counts the most. So we can definitely build upon when it comes to our overall operation. Thomas Brown, offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Thank awesome. you so much. Now that you finish shrugs and shoulders, don't forget leg day, Thomas. You got to stay balanced above start, below the start, waist, my man. Start every Monday with leg day. That's so. what I'm talking yeah, about. That's a big part of that. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. Thomas, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for the time. He never misses leg day. That's Brian Baldinger. He's going to be here later to tell us about Packers quarterback Jordan Love. The eye in the sky don't lie, and neither does Brian Baldinger. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report, and just like every Thursday, we're joined by Brian Baldinger. And Baldy, we love that you get to listen to our interviews each and every week, and and Thomas Brown's breaking down play calling. I was in Foxborough last Sunday watching Brian Johnson go out there and call plays for the first time in the NFL. I'm fascinated by play calling, and I know you have an interest in it, too, just in the manner in which it's done successfully. Well, look, I mean, if you look at, like, why would Brian Johnson change what Shane Sykin did last year with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're a deep shot team. Okay. They're a quarterback. You know, you got to count for them in a run in a run game. They're a power run team. Like they just do certain things that they're really good at. And the Patriots knew that. And the Patriots had a good game plan. They were they played a lot of zone. They clouded all their deep shots. The Eagles didn't get one play down the field to AJ Brown or mm-hmm. to Devontae Smith. Not one. Um, they averaged five yards, you know, an attempt. Like, they should be up around eight yards in attempt. 
All right, we're not getting carried away with stats. but And then they played a five-man defensive front with one linebacker, and they basically said, okay, move us off the ball. And all those, all those um, mercenaries up front that play Patriot football, they didn't get moved. You know, they didn't get moved by Jordan Malata and by Kelsey and Lane. Like, they held their ground really well. They shut down a, what was a powerful running game a week ago. I mean, it was, it was good balance yeah. from what the Patriots did defensively. Hey, Baldy, the folks listening on the podcast won't be able to see it, but you got a pillow behind you, man. Are you, like, sleeping in, in the office there, bro? It's grinding. It's in season. Man. Every once in a while, the, the eyelid, <laughs> they get heavy, Steve. And I got to rest just for, you know, like in the 15th hour, sometimes you need to sneak right there. I see it. I see it. That's good eyes right. right there by you, Steve. But sometimes those eyelids get a little heavy. Like, even hey, the toothpicks can't keep the eye open, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is this is how dedicated you are, Baldy. But you just talked about that Patriots defense. Well, this week they faced a buzzsaw of an offense with the Miami Dolphins. We saw them hang 36 on the Chargers. I mean, the passing game layered all over the place. I know Mike McDaniel said he wanted to run the ball more, but Jesus, <laughs> man, it seemed like they were throwing the ball all over the time with routes that could not be denied. Well, look, I mean, Tyreek had, you know, one of those days, okay? And I was just shocked that the Chargers never adjusted. Like, you you got – like, I've seen Bill Belichick play elite receivers, and they will cloud him. I don't care what the name of the back of the jersey was. Could have been Chad Johnson back in the day, you know? They had a cloud over the top. And this throw right here by Tyreek, like, where is the safety over the top on that? That 35-yard touchdown, this game winner right here, you're going to put Mike Davis on him. There was nowhere else – that Tua was going, but to Tyreek. And so, like, this is the first play of the game. I don't know. They're, they're in some kind of a walk away with Khalil Mack. The safety wasn't sure if they were going to clamp him in the zone. Like, he was just too wide open all day. And I just don't believe the Patriots will let that happen. Like, maybe Jalen White will get some. You know, maybe the running backs get a few more. But I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to run wide open on open freeways up there in Foxborough <laughs> this weekend. I'm curious, Bobby, what on the other side of the coin with the way Mike McDaniel does things in terms of when he sees this Sunday and you want to see what Bill Belichick's trying to take away early, what what does he do as an offensive mind to adjust to to a, an experienced defensive caller like Bill Belichick? Well, there's, you know, there's formations. Like, how are they playing formations, James? I mean, bunch formation. Are they manning it? Or are they zoning it? Um, you know, there's so many different factors that you're just sending indicators. You know, is there going to be a lot of pre more pre-snap motion this week and how the Patriots handle that. Do they do the Patriots disguise their motion and tell you that they're playing man and then play zone off of it? Um, you know, I thought it was interesting last week. The Eagles took a deep shot to A.J. Brown. And, you know, it's a classic to, uh, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. And there's Gonzalez and Mapu, two rookies that bracketed it. You couldn't have walked through it on Friday afternoon any better than they executed it. <laughs> Mike wants to see that. Like, are, are they going to bracket our deep shots? Are they going to cloud it? And if they do, then the underneath should work, should open. Are they going to play zone? Are they going to mix it up? Are they playing half-field man, half-field zone? Like, Mike's looking for all those indicators. And then for any indicator that he sees, he's got a beater for it. You know, whether it's a man beater, whether it's flooding the zone. But the good thing is Tua was so clear in what he was looking at last Sunday. And – I, people can argue all they want about Tua. That guy, going back to Alabama days, is mechanically sound. His yep. feet get set, yep. and when his feet get set, like he makes one stick throw after another, like right here. Like in stride, mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot of yak. Like he is a deadly accurate thrower. Uh, and his deep ball, like you can't throw it any better over the top. Now that's the fourth corner right there, you know, for the Chargers. Why not go after <laughs> Hey, Baldy, speaking about mechanically sound, and indicators. Let's go to Jordan Love because for a couple of years we heard there was no indication that he was going to be able to play quarterback in this league. And from what we saw in the preseason and his debut, he looks like he's going to be just fine. Well, I mean, just think about the the, the receiving court. He's throwing to Jaden Reed, their second round pick. Yeah. Romeo Dobbs, their second round. You know, for a, a year or two right now. Um, that touch, the, the the floater to Romeo Dobbs. All right. Um, just a, a back shoulder fade in the corner of the end zone. 
We've watched Favre do it for 15 years. We watched Aaron Rodgers do it for 15 years. And we might just watch Jordan Love do it for 15 because he threw it just the way both those Hall of Famers threw yep. it. Like it was, he knew exactly where to put that ball and let Dobbs go get it. All right, Baldy, that's really great stuff. We're going to make a transition from Jordan Love to the story of the week and Aaron Rodgers. And Baldy, we will see you next Thursday. But here's Rodgers post surgery on IG. Thank you to every person that has reached out, called, texted, DM, connected through a friend, etc. It's meant a ton to me, and I'll try to get back to all of you soon. I'm completely heartbroken and moving through all the emotions, but deeply touched and humbled by the support and love. Please keep me in your thoughts and prayers as I begin the healing process today. The night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. Proud of my guys, one and oh. So Aaron Rodgers does not sound like his career is going to be ending, getting carted off of a field. And now we bring in Stacey Dales, who, out of all the people Let's on our great NFL media staff, has spent the most time around Aaron Rodgers. But Stacey, I want to get this from your perspective. Again, you're, you're an Olympic basketball player. You, you are a world-class athlete, Hooper, at Oklahoma. An injury like this to someone like Aaron Rodgers, who, again, you spent years around at 39, the coping mechanisms he might have to put in place or whatever, like what can you tell us about maybe um, what he's going to have to deal with here? Yeah, no question. Uh, good to be with you guys. And I, I do have a pillow in the background like Baldy, yeah, by And the a way. dog. <laughs> I see it. I see yeah. it. <laughs> With um, Aaron Rodgers, it was time for him to move on, right? And you, you just spoke uh, with Baldy about Jordan Love and just how efficient he was, and they've really given him the keys to the to the to the Jeep, if you will. I mean, in Green Bay, and there's got to be something about the water in Green Bay when you come out and have a, a performance like that. But it, I, I would just classify this as traumatizing. And Jeff Collette, the producer, could probably attest as a Packers fan, like traumatizing and devastating for any any player to suffer an injury in the first game, but for it to be Aaron Rodgers, who will be a first ballot, as we all know. And I can't recall, like you and I spoke, Steve, this week on the phone, and I just can't recall a player of this magnitude in week one suffering such a distinct uh, injury. Uh, it's and, and, to, and, and then the questions sort of prevail, like, is this going to be the end of his career? Uh, we were told basically in that post that he gave us all uh, on Instagram, no. And then Nathaniel Hackett spoke today as well about the fact that they fully believe, at least there in the uh, Jets building, that he's going to come back. And that's going to be, I think, the most interesting thing because he's played through injuries in his career. This is Achilles injury. It's unlike you know, other injuries and it takes a long time uh, after the surgery to heal and uh, to really get back on your feet again, if you will. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's devastating. It's traumatizing for the team. And I think we've all learned that given some of the comments and interviews done this week. Stacey, I'm curious about the man that's, that's always so closely tied to Aaron Rodgers and that's Nathaniel Hackett. Mm -hmm. And now that yeah. he is there and he is not going to be working this season with Aaron Rodgers. How much of a, of a spotlight is there on Nathaniel Hackett now that it's going to be him and Zach Wilson and not him and Aaron Rodgers? I think you nailed it, James. And you were there, obviously, for a lot of what took place in Denver, right, as he uh, embarked upon his head coaching I was. career in the NFL. Yes, you were. <laughs> uh, he's going to bear the, the responsibility fully. And I think you'll, you'll have an Aaron Rodgers who's very involved. Uh, Aaron's a coach on the field. Aaron dictates as he's done his entire career so much of what happens at the line of scrimmage I mean, he doesn't he, you could argue like Tom Brady doesn't need a play call he's going to call the game himself and uh when you have that kind of a blankie it, it makes your job as an offensive coordinator a lot easier now like it was really interesting when they were together in Green Bay I had some great conversations with with coach Hackett uh he, you know he runs yeah. the stairs before the game he's out there about three hours early those are the best times to grab a coach because the game plan's been set all week. They're finally ready to just go let it rip and, you know, finding ways to stimulate Aaron Rodgers every single day with every single game plan is extraordinary to hear from the offensive coordinator. So now fast forward and he's going to have a great deal of responsibility in making sure Zach Wilson is capable and in good situations to get the football out and make sure this team believes in him. But I'll tell you what, if you can run for 172 yards like they did uh, 
despite Rodgers going down and you've got Brees Hall, who's over 100 on the ground, and Delvin Cook, I would say there's the formula to start with if you're the New York Jets. Yeah, it's the formula that got him to five and two at the start of last season. Yep. I see some paws moving around over there, Stacy. By the way, I think we have a sleeping dog, <laughs> that your dog behind you. I know, I know, I know that from my dream right now. I know that from Hank. dreaming. That, we are in dreamland right now. She is in dreamland. <laughs> yeah. And and you know who's in dreamland right now? All of Detroit after they took down the reigning mm-hmm. Super Bowl champs in the first week. Let's hear Dan Campbell after that win before we get back to Stacy. I didn't learn anything. I got verification on what I already knew. And this is a resilient team. Uh, it already was a resilient team, and we added pieces to that resilient team. So um, we're built to handle some some stuff, and uh, and we did that today against a very good opponent. Motor City Dan. They did Motor do City. that. Hey, they did do that. Stays. How different is that building now with that mm-hmm. man and where they are right now, Stacy? Where is that building in terms of their mindset. I am so passionate about this. Like, okay, if you don't believe in the Detroit Lions, and I'll put my neck out there for this team, these are a bunch of ballers. When you walk in that building, this is a group of winners. I mean, obviously, you know, we saw them go on the road. I don't care, you know, no Travis Kelsey, no Chris Jones. I mean, yeah, obviously those are really incredible players. And uh, are going to be, you know, impactful for the Chiefs this season. But that is, as you know, James, you're there all the time at Arrowhead. That that, that environment, that's 142 decibels of noise in your ears. Now, here's what I'll say about Detroit. That Ford Field is going to be obnoxiously loud. So when you cover a game at Ford Field, they've got an open press box. And, and press box. So listeners out there, what does that mean? You guys know it's there's no shield, there's no glass, it is open. So when I do a game there, mm-hmm. I literally have to take my noise reducing headsets or my earplugs and I gotta put them in because it is deafening oh at that field. And the culture is really incredible. Jared Goff has been revitalized. He's playing, I wrote it down, 359 pass attempts without an interception. Are you kidding me? Yep. I mean, the longest streak ever. Shoot, their rookies have been sensational. So it's an exciting time in Detroit. And, and Stace, the fact you know, they're playing a Seahawks team that's going to be desperate, I just want to know, the Blue Man Group, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's calling for everybody in Detroit to come in with blue ski mask. You have five seconds. If you were there, would you be rocking one? A hundred. A hundred P. A hundred yes. P. There we go. There we go. Stacey yeah. Dales, you're going to be back Not with us soon. Not even December yet. We're just clearing our throats with you. You are fantastic. We love you. Go pet the dog that's in dreamland right now because when we come back to the NFL report, we're going to take a deeper dive on the Aaron Rodgers effect, and we're going to hear from Mike Garofolo and Judy Batista, who were on hand when things fell apart. Kind of Monday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I feel more for Aaron than anyone. I, You know, he he is he's invested so much into this organization, so much into this journey that he's he's embarked on, and and wanting to uh, to be a part of uh, what we've got going here, and uh, and how much he's invested in not only this organization but his teammates, himself, this fan base. Well, that was Jets head coach Robert Sala. Obviously, the news of Aaron Rodgers. We're joined. I was watching this game and, and the Achilles popping from my couch. Both of these individuals and Judy Batista and Mike Garofalo were there at MetLife. And, and Mike, I want to know, right from the jump, when you see it happen, do you jump out of your press box seat? Run me through how you got to the tunnel and what happened once you were there trying to be the intrepid reporter on the scene that you are, Mikey G. Well, when you're in the press box, as Judy and I were, the first thing that you want to acknowledge, and if you hear this music, by the way, it's the music of everybody warming up here before the Eagles-Vikings game, as we're getting ready for. Um, 
you want to be the eyes and ears of the people who are watching at home and they're not getting constant updates. So as soon as I see the cart headed for the blue tent, I said, all right, tweet it out, there's the cart. And then he leaves on the cart. I said to Judy, that's it. We're not going to get anything else from the press box. Let's go down to the tunnel. We're looking for the x-ray room because I have a, a strong feeling he's headed there. And I said to Judy, I said, I know where the Giants is. Do the Giants have a separate, or the Jets have a separate one? And we were trying to figure that out. And eventually we hit a dead end. We couldn't walk any further. We said, ah, must just be the one x-ray room outside the Giants locker room. Let's head back. So we start heading back that way. And I can hear on the walkie-talkies of security. They're getting ready for something. I said, Judy, he's coming out any second now. And all of a sudden I heard, are you ready? And the guy goes, yeah. They go, clear this hallway. Everybody's got to go inside. I look at oh. Judy. I go, these guys got another thing coming if they think they're going to tell us to go inside. Judy's like, absolutely not. <laughs> ah, that so then the cart comes by me, and I start taking video. And if you can see at the end of the video, the gentleman tries to jump in front of me to block the video, which was hysterical. And then his supervisor comes over and says, excuse me, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're taking video. I said, I know I am. And he goes, why are you doing that? I showed him my press pass. And I said, for information distribution purposes. He goes, but are you allowed to do that? And I said, yes. And he goes, but ethically. I said, I'm not worried about ethically. I'm worried about journalistically. Yes, I am. So I tweeted the video out and the rest was history. Hail to the fourth estate, Mike Garofolo for the hustle. Judy, Mike. You know, Mike. Mike was there in the tunnels doing his job like the A1 reporter he was. And by the way, post game, he absolutely killed the grasping of the emotions from pregame to, you know, the injury to the actual celebration of a win. But, Judy, you were there the following day with the Jets. Moving forward now, what is kind of the feeling? Is it okay, everybody else, you have to gird Zach, or is he really our guy? Uh, I don't know if they're talking themselves into it, but yesterday, which was the first time that the team was gathered uh, since then, uh, you know, he's their guy, and they're going to line up behind him. Frankly, they don't really have much of a choice. He's... Right now, he is certainly their best option. He knows the offense, he's been there. And they all talked about how improved he has been since OTAs and training camp. So I think the message had come from Sala, like, okay, you had like the 48 hours to sort of mourn this injury. And now you've got the Dallas Cowboys and you've got 16 games and you're one and oh. And so it's time to get ready uh, with Zach Wilson. I, you know, Dalvin Cook, who is like basically the newest member of the New York Jets, I thought, I had the most interesting balance of emotions because he was a little bit wistful. He said he had come there hoping to get a handoff from eight. He said from a great. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year. But then he said, like, Zach knows we've got his back. Like, we've all got to play better for Zach. And then he talked again about how much confidence he has, which is a big thing for the Jets because last year that was a shattered quarterback. And so the fact that he's got confidence in himself and that the team around him has confidence in him is a big, big deal if this is going to work. Yeah, Mike, I want to ask you about that shattered quarterback. Have the Jets looked elsewhere yet? I'm assuming that started. Any look at a backup, a veteran backup? What are their options around Zach Wilson? Yeah, backup is the key word because they don't want to bring in anybody that anybody else would be clamoring for, or any of the fans would be clamoring for. They want to make it clear that Zach Wilson's got a clear runway here. So any of the options would be uninspiring from a starting standpoint. Not that there are any inspiring ones. The Jets source mm -hmm. told me immediately, Zach Wilson gives us the best chance to win. So they definitely want to make sure that he's got his right mind about him. Right now, they're going to elevate Tim Boyle from the practice squad. They've got three elevations that they're allowed to do before they have to add him to the roster permanently. So I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Wilson is the only quarterback on the active roster, perhaps for the next couple of weeks while they bounce Boyle back and forth and then maybe add another long-term solution. All right, Mike and Judy, we know you guys are on the clock. Salute to Mike Garofolo for talking through the sound checks. That is a very difficult part of the things that we have to do. So props, my brother. Judy, great column on NFL.com slash Batista. So make sure to check out the column on the Jets' future. And JP, that Aaron Rodgers injury has sparked a new conversation about artificial turf versus gra grass. So when we come back on the NFL report, what's it going to be like under guys' feet? Moving forward. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Back at the NFL Report, and Aaron Rodgers' injury sparked another huge debate, JP, and that is to turf or to have natural grass, as the NFL PA came out and said that all fields should be natural grass. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle for the Packers during the game, said this is another incident of artificial turf leading to an injury. But, JP, we've heard the discussion. We, we know it's not going to happen. There are some teams that are just not going to put in natural grass. It could be to climb it. It could be to a dome. There's no natural grass going in Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta or the Superdome uh, in New Orleans. So this is going to be a continued debate, James. And so to tell people really about it, we're thinking about stadiums a lot when it comes to artificial turf mm -hmm. or grass. But this is practice fields. This is indoor facilities as well. There's a lot more to it than just natural grass at stadiums. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was I was at Broncos when Russell Wilson talked about this this week, and it was actually, I don't know, maybe it's a rarity, a very honest moment from Russell Wilson where he took, you know, a stance. Steve, he had an opinion. He said, I, I specifically practice. He wants to be on grass fields for his ankles, for his knees. He brought up the indoor facility that the Broncos have, and it's a newer indoor facility that they have. And if that doesn't show you the way veteran players that we talk to, Steve, around the league feel about indoor practice facilities. Usually, if there's weather or something that happens, the team has to go indoors. There is every veteran on the team that is throwing on the sneakers, yep. and they are like, I am done for today. I am doing a walkthrough. That is the extent of what I'll do on this indoor practice facility. That's usually what happens yep. during the week. It's funny that that's their thinking, right, Steve? But at the same time, then on Sunday, they're going to go out and play on a turf field, and you brought this up earlier, their first instance into the NFL as a young prospect at the NFL Combine is on what surface? It is not on natural grass. It is it is on turf. I mean, and, and that's part of it. And this is where Joe Burrow, JP, and you were talking about this, when he came out and said, mm -hmm. if we're going to have turf, it should be universal turf at all of those sites. Great and idea. And speaking with the NFL, it is up to each individual team on which turf manufacturer they want to use for their stadiums and for their practice facility. So that is a good idea by Joe Burrow. Why don't you elaborate? Yeah, I love that Joe came up with that idea, considering he's a guy that's also had an ACL in the past, right? And also is somebody that spends a lot of time on the turf, depending on how his offensive line plays. But having a universal turf from field to field, at least in his mind, would give players an understanding of what they're going to be playing on and a knowledge before they get to that game on what playing surface they're going to be playing on. But again, we'll find out if that happens. There's a lot that goes on in these stadiums moving forward in different types of events, monster trucks, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Steve, it was a pleasure. I'm going to see you Monday when we recap some week two games on the NFL Report. See you guys on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.